The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. As you guys know, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and tonight we're going to continue with that. And uh, I brought some friends up to kind of read through the passages we're going to go over. So, everybody, you can give a round of applause for Jeff and Ace. Yes. All right. uh, So we're reading Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have uh, received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right. Thank you. Give it up for him. Yeah. Woo. Gosh. Guys, that is a college education right there. They can, they can read. They can do it. Proud of you guys. Um, my name is Chris. I work here at the Inn. I'm on staff, and I'm really glad each one of you are here. Um, I once liked a girl, and <laughs> this is true confessions, guys. I once liked a girl, and um, truth be told, uh, we had been talking for a couple months, uh, talking a lot. I felt good about it. We didn't live in the same city, classic me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> We live close enough that uh, I wanted to take her out on a date, and uh, I wanted to let her know how I felt. It's been a couple months. It just seemed like the right thing to do. So, <laughs> gosh, I give her, I give her a call, and I am so nervous. Uh, I'm not good at this. I, gosh, I'm usually oblivious, and I'm just like, you know, what? let's just go for it, whatever. So. I call her, and we shoot the breeze for like an hour, because I'm just stalling tough. <laughs> Cracking jokes, like, oh my gosh, so bad. And I'm just like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to like, I gotta do it now. Like, I need to tell her. And so I'm like, 
Hey, um, so sheepishly, so, so shy. Hey, um, I, I like you. And, and before I can stop, like, get another word out, this is her. Uh, um, uh, Ellen, I gotta go to bed. Uh, sorry, uh, bye. Click. Hangs up the phone. And me, being the godly person I am, like, sat down and prayed about it and lifted it up to God. No, that's not what I did at all. Um, I was shocked. I was stunned. I did not see that coming. Um, my roommate at the time is here. He can attest to this. And um, I was... Uh, I, I texted a couple of my friends that had vested interests in the situation, and as soon as I finished that, I started a cussing tirade for the ages. I was cussing out the situation, cussing out myself. I was just so mad. And um, then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was cussing out the situation. I was literally cursing everything that had gone on. I was not lifting up what had happened. And it hit me that instead of cursing out the situation, I needed to pray. I needed to come to God. I needed to take this situation that was out of my hands to my Father in heaven. And I began to pray. I'm going to pray right now. Would you all join me? Heavenly Father God, um, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the fact that um, you are with us. And as Taylor said, you are for us, God, and not against us, God. I pray that tonight uh, you would rid me of myself, God. Anything that I say, I pray, would be from you. I pray that you would open up our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say tonight from your scripture and your word, God. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit is upon us in this time tonight and that we would be blessed by your presence tonight, Jesus. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So. Tonight we're going to look at um, prayer. As we went over, we went over a big chunk of scripture. There's a lot in there. Uh, but we're going to focus mostly on the Lord's Prayer. But before we get there, there's a couple words that stand out that I think are going to help set the foundation for the night. And um, the first word that we heard, uh, there were words that kept coming about as we read through that passage. And um, that's a good literary device for you. If something's important, just repeat yourself a lot. And people will usually figure out that it's important. So the first word that we heard a lot was hypocrite. We can put it up there, hypocrite. And a lot of times when we hear the word hypocrite, we think it means to do something or to say something and do something else. That's the way we look at it. But um, back in the day in Greek culture, hypocrite was actually a word for the theater. It meant to play act. It meant to perform. And we find here Jesus saying that we're calling us not to be hypocrites. When we do these things, when we fast, when we pray, when we give to the needy, he says, do not be like the hypocrites. And he says that, he says, don't be putting on a show. When you do these things, don't be performing. You're not supposed to do this so that people think good of you. But the reason that you do this is for your Father God. The way that you live into these things that I've called you to and not doing them as a show is to do them for your Father God. And that takes us to our second word, and that is Father. We are going to focus on this word a ton tonight. We're going to look at Father, and we're going to go into it tough. Um, before that, we should take a look at prayer. Um, you can take that down. No. Nope. You got a little sneak preview. That's good. Um, we're going to look at prayer. Why is prayer so important? Um, we look at the, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, and a lot of times I think we've heard the Lord's Prayer recited in, in, um, in services in church. If you've ever stepped foot in a church, you've probably heard the Lord's Prayer recited. We've probably said it all together. Um, and I want you to know that tonight, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus isn't necessarily intending the Lord's Prayer to be something that you recite, but he's using it as a template, as to show us the way that we are supposed to pray, how we come to God our Father in prayer, the way we interact with God. And I want us to take a look at what is so important about prayer. 
Um, and before I get going any further, I want you to know, like I said in my story in the beginning, prayer is not always the first thing that I do. And because of that, this sermon, this message is just as much for me as it is for anybody hearing it. And when you hear it, I don't want you to just hear it. I want you to listen. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to question it. I want you to pray about it. And I want you to um, hold on to what is good and let go of what's not so good. Don't just take for granted the things that are coming out of my mouth tonight, but to really look to hear the Lord in it. So why is prayer important? Prayer basically is our primary way of communicating with God. Why is that important? Well, God created the universe. He's pretty powerful. That's pretty big. I think that's important enough on its own. But not only is he powerful, he loves us so much. And he loves us so much that he listens to us. Prayer is the way that we interact with God and we communicate with him. And he listens to us when we pray to him. You can find time and time again in the Bible people, men and women coming to God and praying to him and interacting with him. And he listens and he takes their advice and he moves and, and, and acts in ways that they ask him to. You can look at the stories of Abraham, of um of Deborah, of Samson, of Moses. You can read these stories of men and women coming towards God and him listening to them. Prayer is important because this is how we communicate with the God of the universe, and he listens to us. We need to understand this, we need to go with this, and we need to live into this truth. Prayer is powerful stuff. And it's not powerful because of what it is. It's powerful because of the one we come to. As we just established, God's a powerful God. There's a story that um, Jesus, uh, in the book of Mark, about. it's another book written about Jesus' life, where Jesus sends out his followers, and he gives them the authority to cast out demons, and he gives them the authority to heal sickness. And um, he, ca- he sends them out, and they go do these things, and they're living into it, and it's great, and it's awesome. And he, him and a couple of his buddies go up on a mountain, and uh, when they come back down, they find the rest of his disciples interacting with, with a crowd. And um, this crowd is around this demon-possessed boy, and they haven't been able to cast him out. And Jesus comes to his disciples, and he says, what's going on? You guys have been casting demons out. What, what, what is this? You should be able to do this. And they just can't do it. And then Jesus prays and casts the demon out. And when his disciples come to him and ask why, he says, that kind of demon could only be set out by prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer has the power to move things and affect things. We need to know this as we look throughout this template that Jesus gives us. Jesus tells us that when we pray, we are to ask for God's will to be done. And that implies that God has invited us to step into his His plan of implementing his will onto this earth. If we don't pray for God's will to be done, it's said that apparently his will will not be fully done. He calls us to invite that to happen. That's why when we pray, we ask God's will to happen, to be here. We ask for God's presence to be here because we want... When God is here, his will is done, and we want what happens here tonight to be what God intended to be happening, right? And we have been invited to pray into that. It's powerful stuff. And not only that, Jesus continues to tell us to ask for forgiveness. And he says that we must forgive as as we've been forgiven. And he says that um, we are to pray against temptation. And that just tells us that that God has invited us to be a part of ushering in his forgiving grace into this world and fighting against the temptations and pitfalls of this of this world as well. And the way that we are most equipped to do that is through prayer. This is what Jesus is telling us through this template. Prayer is powerful stuff. That's the first thing I want you to know. Prayer is powerful stuff. But what does that have to do with us? That's a great question. Why is prayer so powerful? We simply need to look at the beginning of of Jesus' template. The two words, our Father. Jesus calls God Father. And you can throw up that slide, the Abba slide. 
And he calls him father, and he uses this word Abba. And it doesn't just mean father, it's an intimate word. Abba means daddy or papa. When Jesus comes to God, his father, he comes to him saying daddy because he is intimately in connection with God. God is not only his father, but he is a good father. And we know that God's a good father because of this. We see that Jesus, uh, earlier in this book of Matthew on Jesus' life, he um, goes to be baptized, which is just a, a declaration of his faith. And the way he does this is he's dumped, dumped in water and he comes back up. And when he's lifted out of the water, we are told that a voice comes from heaven. It says, this is my son who is beloved and with whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus at this point has done nothing. He hasn't preached one sermon. He hasn't healed one person. He has done nothing to usher in the kingdom of God in his ministry yet. And we find God, his father saying, I love you and I'm well pleased with you. And Jesus has done nothing to earn that yet. And that's what a good father does. That's the kind of father that God is, and that's the kind of father that God or that Jesus is praying to when he prays. A good father that he is in relationship with, that he is intimately related to. And I said God's a father, and he's, I said that he's a good father. <clears throat> Not all of us have good fathers. And for that, I'm, I'm really sorry. Um... My grandpa, uh, my dad's dad, uh, was an alcoholic. He died when he was 32. My dad was 11. He left my grandma with six kids to raise on her own, and he wasn't really around before that. And when he was, he was pretty crappy. He was not a good father. And that sucked for my dad. For me, I had a whole different story. My parents are dope, and I appreciate them greatly. Um, Part of the reason they're so dope is uh, they introduced me to pizza. Did any of you like pizza out there? <laughs> there's a couple people. I love pizza. If you don't know, like there's, it's like an unhealthy relationship. Um, it's not, it's it's not good. Um, but <laughs> my parents introduced it to me, and I want to tell you a story about that because it just, it's a great story, anyways. And I love pizza. So I was, uh, it was way back in the day. I was a, I was a baby. I was a toddler. I was a little Afro having, black looking Gerber baby. And, um, we were on a road trip from Toronto. I grew up in Toronto and we were on our way to Canada's capital, Ottawa for a vacation. And we were in the middle of nowhere and, um, I got hungry. I needed food. Um, and in my infant state, I asked, I have no clue I really asked, probably like food. And, um, and, uh, my parents at the time, a parent, I was talking to my dad today, and he said that there had been a recall on all the baby food. So when they were in the store, there was nothing that they had to feed me. <laughs> and so they had nothing, there was nothing to provide then. So they went out and found the only thing that they figured would be decent enough for like a two-year-old kid to eat. And they got me pizza and they gave it to me and I loved it. And, <laughs> and I loved it so much that I may or may not have like eaten it every day for like 10 years of my life. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's all right. Um, I love pizza. Um, but what's important about this story is not only that my parents um, answered my, my, my request for pizza, but they provided for me when I asked. And they provided not just because I was spoiled and not because I asked in the, the proper way that I used these immaculate words that unlock the secret code that my parents would give me what I asked for, but they asked because they're my parents. Or they answered because they're my parents. They're good parents. They were present. They were there. 
They provided for me always. I came to them expecting when I asked for food that I would get food because they had given me life. They'd given me shelter. They'd always given me food. And they'd always shown me that they were good. They're good parents. So when I asked them for something, I expected it to happen because they're good. It was the power of their presence in my life. See, my dad, he's a very busy man. But in his home office, he had a door that was glass. And it was glass so that I could always see him and know that he was there. And that door was always ready to be open whenever I knocked on it. And he always opened that door when I knocked on it. Even if he was on the phone with somebody, if I knocked on the door, he'd say, hold up, my son's at the door. I need to go talk to him. This is the kind of dad that my dad was. That's a good parent. That's love. And my dad would also, when I'd fall asleep on the couch, I'd fall asleep on the couch and he'd be watching TV and he would carry me in his arms up to my bed and put me in bed and put me, put me to sleep. That's a good father. That's a loving father that carries me in his arms. And when I would wake up from nightmares at night, my mom would come and she'd rub my back and tell me stories until I fell back asleep. That's love and that's a good parent. My parents were always there. The power behind them being good parents was in the fact that they were present and with me throughout my life. That good parenthood is the God that Jesus is praying to, a God that is present with Jesus, someone who has continually shown him that he is good and for him. And Jesus knows that he can expect what he prays for to be answered because God is a good parent. But I also want you to know, good parents sometimes say no. If I went to my mom and dad when I was that little black looking Gerber baby and said, hey, I want to touch the stove. Let me touch the stove. I want to turn it on, and I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be hot, and I think it's going to be a great time. When I touch that stove, it's going to suck, right? But my parents, they tell me no. They say, you should not touch that stove because we know better than you, and that's not going to go well for you. That's what a good parent does. They, they keep their children from harm. I just went into a Kevin Hart rant just now. That was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I want you to know that good parents don't always just say yes. Yes, they do provide. And yes, they are there. But they know when to say no. My parents were good because they knew what I needed, even when I didn't ask for it. They knew what I needed because they were there and they were with me and they're in my life. And that's the kind of parent that God is. So this is who Jesus is praying to, a good father that loves him and is for him. It's powerful stuff. All right, let's recap real quick. So what do we know? We know that I love pizza and girls like to hang out the phone on me. Gosh, who am I? Why are you guys here? Why are you even listening to me? I'm ridiculous. Don't answer, but let's get serious. We know, <laughs> we know that prayer is powerful. Let me throw up this slide. And we know that prayer is powerful because of God. We know that God is a good father. And we know that a good father is present. And we know that prayer is powerful because of God's presence. Prayer is powerful because God is present. Jesus totally believes this. When Jesus prays, when he lives his life, he lives his life in light of this reality that God is with him and present, that God is powerful, and that God is a good father, that God is his good father. Jesus comes to God like a child, like I came to my parents, expecting them to be there for me and with me because they are good parents, and they always have been. They always were, and they always will continue to be. And that's the reality that Jesus lives into, that God has always been with him and always will be, and that's the power 
word that he comes to God in when he prays. Prayer is not something that we master. It's not something that we come with these words that just are perfect to God. Prayer is the art of believing, the act of believing that God is who he says he is, that God is a good and present father. Now, it's great for Jesus. He's God's son. But what does that have to do with you and me? There's this guy named Paul. He's very smart, and he wrote half the New Testament of the Bible. And in this letter to this church in, uh, in Ephesus, he says this. He throws up. Long, long ago, he, God, decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. The key word here is adopt. And I want you to look at adopt. Not in the way that we look at adoption, because in Roman culture, adoption was much more powerful, dare I say. See, in Roman culture back in the day, and Paul was was writing to a Roman culture, and Jesus was entrenched in a Roman culture. In Roman culture, um, a family, uh, the family had power. And if your family name had power, um, and you were in that family, you had everything that went with that power. But that family, that father, also had the ability to, to disown any of his own natural born children. By law, if a father, um, for whatever reason, for anything at all, could disown his own child, that was by his blood. That was the law. Um, but when it came to adoption, uh, when you chose to adopt somebody, by law, you could never disown them. They could never be let go. No matter how bad they had messed up after you chose them, you chose them, and now you were stuck with them. For better or for worse, they, by law, could not be disowned. So when Paul says here that we are adopted into God's family, he's saying we were chosen and we can never be disowned. We are God's children. And better yet, he goes on to say that it is by Jesus' blood. What have we learned about Jesus so far as we've gone through this series? We've learned that the wages of sin, sin entered the world, and the wages of that was death. And we learned that Jesus is the only one that's lived the perfect life, and the only one was in perfect relationship with God, that did not enter into the life of sin, and the only one that did not deserve death. And we learned that he died on a cross in a brutal way. And when we read that Paul, Paul saying that we are adopted in Christ's blood, in that moment, when Jesus is hanging on that brutal cross, when he dies and all our sin is paid for, we are bought and adopted into God's family. Jesus is the child that was disowned by his own natural father so that we could be chosen, bought, and adopted and never be disowned by God our father. And that's what everything we just read about who God is as a good father for Jesus has to do with us. Because now we know that God is our good father as well. And so as Jesus comes to pray before God, that's how we are called to come pray before God. This is truth. This is reality. When Jesus died, God adopted all of humanity. Now, if we choose to believe it and live into that reality is another matter and another sermon for another time. But this is truth, and we need to know this and believe it. And that's what prayer is. Just as Jesus was proclaimed by God that he was beloved and and well-pleased with, God was well-pleased with him, before we were even born, God has chosen us and adopted us. And we're never disowned. The same truth that we have in Jesus before he's done anything, he is loved, is the same truth that we have lived in, we get to live into. Before we've done anything, we are loved. We're invited into the family. And it's not by anything that we've done, nothing that we can do to earn it. 
and nothing we can do to get rid of it because it has been freely given to us and we've been chosen by a good, good father. This is the reality we're called in to live and to pray, the belief that we're called into practice, that God is our father. And notice here this word our. I think it's up here. Our father. It's inclusive. This word is about family. It's for all of us. We look at, um, at, right after the Sermon on the Mount, we can go to the next scripture, I think. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is a heavy passage. We were struggling with it as a staff last week. I'm not going to lie to you. And we, we kind of hit some different points from it. And we're coming from different angles. And it was difficult for us to grasp. And um, I was, I was um, it was hard for me. And I found myself the next morning after we talked about it, um, I woke up that morning. I was really angry at somebody. <laughs> and it kind of came out of the blue. And I was, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty pissed at them. And um, I go to the gym, and I'm working out, and I'm really mad. And I'm having this really great aggressive workout, which was awesome. <laughs> but right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I forget exactly what I was doing, but I just know in that moment, I was like, I'm so pissed at this person. And you know what, God, I'm so pissed at you for being, making me pissed at this person, allowing me to be pissed at this person. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. The reality of what I see here is that it is, there is no separation from the way that we interact with those around us and the way that we interact with God. What we do unto God the Father is what we do unto those around us, and what we do unto those around us is what we do unto God our Father. God is, Jesus is saying here that it is so tied together, our relationship with God and each other, that when we forgive others, we live into the forgiveness that we've experienced. And when we don't, we don't live into that forgiveness. There's the thing that I want you to see here is it is tied together. Everything that we've read up to this point that we've gone through, as we've gone through this series of the Sermon on the Mount, has talked about how we are called to be a light unto the world, to share God's kingdom, to spread it, to spread it to other people. And then we find these weird passages where Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites and doing things that other people may see it. But the reality is he tells us to not do it so other people see it, but to do it for God our Father. And when we do it for God our Father, we're doing it for other people. It goes together. You can't separate them. This is what we're called into when we pray, and this is what we're called into when we live. We pray for other people, we pray to God our Father, and it impacts those around us. It impacts the world. And it's the way that when we give, we give to the needy, we're also giving to God our Father. And when we fast and we, we act, ask for God's will to be done as we, we come to him in, in this intense form of prayer and fasting, we are not doing it so that the world sees how holy we are. We're doing it because our coming to God and acknowledging his presence, as we learn throughout prayer, helps his will to come about on this world. Jesus has invited us into this. The way we interact with God our Father will totally affect the way that we interact with the world. And that's part of the power of prayer. We pray to our Father, and we acknowledge Him, and we become aware of His presence. Prayer is the act of believing that God is who He says He is. And that in turn frees us up to see ourselves as he sees us and to see others as he sees us as well. Prayer helps us to know God. And as we know God, we know who we are created to be. And it frees us up to live into this world as just free children of the king. 
co-heirs in Christ into this kingdom that Jesus is calling us to live into, that he's ushering in. Now, finally, I promise I'm almost done. Actually, I'm going to invite the band to come up. If you guys can come back up right now, that'd be great. Um, I want us to look, take a look at Romans 8. And this, is, this is kind of just shows us the power that, that we have been given. Nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. There it is. That's the one. Um, in Romans 8.11, it says, The Spirit of Him who has, ra- who has raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So I want you to know that, that, yes, Jesus died on that cross for our sins, but three days later, He rose from the grave, and in that, He conquered death. And he started its process of redeeming everything in the world and bringing things back into right relationship with God. And the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead, we are told is the same power that we have in us now. As we follow Jesus, we enter into prayer, we have this power. The power that Jesus had to raise people from the dead, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to bring sight to the blind, to, to usher in God's kingdom is the power that we have now. We are just called that we just have to believe it. And the way that we believe it is by practicing the art of prayer, the art of believing that God is who he says he is, and that we are who he says we are. This is good news. That God is redeeming all things. And finally, this is something that prayer is, and I think we lose sight of this all the time. Prayer is also praise. Prayer is us praising God for who he is, what he's done for us, and who he's made us to be. Prayer equals praise, and praise equals prayer. When you're up here worshiping and singing with your hands held high to God, screaming at the top of your lungs, you are not only singing songs and worshiping God, you are praying to God your Father. And when you sit there in the stillness of your room, quiet at, the, at night, and you just have nothing to say, but your heart is just, just screaming out to God inside you, just in this quiet whisper, that is praise. Prayer is praise, and praise is prayer. You can't get outside of that. And this is the reality we're called to live into. None of these things can be taken from us. Paul ends his book to the Romans from that verse that says Jesus' spirit is upon us. He ends it by saying these words, In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through God who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor nor present things or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the power of God's presence. And that's what we're taught, taught to believe. That's what we're taught to live into. That nothing can separate us from God's presence. That's the way that we are supposed to come to God when we say, God, our Father. When we come to God and say, Abba, Daddy, Papa. This is the good news that we've been called to live into. This is the power of prayer that we have. If you've never experienced God in this way, if you've never experienced him as a father, we want to pray with you. We're going to have people in the back. I'm going to be out back. We want to pray with you in that moment. We want to pray with you that you know and experience that truth. If you've never known the fact that Jesus loves you this much, that he died for you, that he gave up his spot with God, and then rose from the dead to redeem all things and bring you into his family... We want to pray with you in the back. I want you to come find me and meet me, and we'll pray together. The love of God our Father and Jesus as a Redeemer is pleasing unto us, and we get to praise him for that.
I'm so thankful you guys are here. I'm so thankful we got to hear this message that God loves us and loves you and is for you and that he is powerful. Guys, I'm about to pray. And when I finish, I want you all to join me in the Lord's prayer. And then we're going to get into some worship, some praise, some prayer to God through song. So Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We thank you that you are for us. We thank you you're not against us. We thank you that you are here, that you are present, that you are with us. You promised that. We thank you that you promised that you will never leave us or forsake us, God, that you will be with us to the end of the ages. God, we thank you that you are powerful and that you call us yours. God, I pray that we live into that reality as we leave these, these rooms tonight, this room tonight. God. I pray that each day going forward, we would remember to live into your presence, to seek you out, to pray, to practice the art of belief and to live into that truth and reality that you proclaimed over us, that you are our Father. Now, everybody, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.